Hello, everybody. Hey, I'm Matt. I'm Zach. And this is MC Car Guys Podcast. You can reach us on all the social media at MZ Car Guys. And did you know that you can reach us also at mzcarguys at gmail.com? Drop us a line, drop us a hint, drop us a comment. Just drop us. Or suggestion for a future podcast. Or suggestions for future podcasts because the well is not quite running dry, but um, we are. So we're trying to figure it out. Uh, so tonight will be our last podcast um, talking about the movie uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Um, and so um, what we want to talk about tonight, and it won't be very long uh, per se. No, we've, I don't know how many times we've said that in the past. <laughs> and then we just talk ourselves into a circle. Or Zach goes on forever and ever and ever talking about uh, was talking about the other day that just took for absolute forever. Anyway, I don't know. Pick one. There's been several. <laughs> Easy. Anyways, uh, but today we're actually going to just talk about the movie itself, the production of the movie, um, a couple of behind the scenes things that we've uh, we found out about just through interviews with the cast and so forth and so on. Um, so. Uh, yeah. So let's first start with Matt. What is your, um, what's kind of your, cause you, you've watched a couple of non-spoiler reviews, right? Uh, well, I sort of, so I, I read the Johnny Lieberman review in Motor Trend. And I've kind of been dabbling a bit. I finally saw the trailer because I don't have cable TV and I don't watch a lot of movies in the theaters because I have children. So <clears throat> I finally got a chance to see the. So I've 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 got a little bit of background. Yeah, I mean I mean the major the major things that Johnny went over. And Johnny is an excellent journalist. Like he's been doing this a very long time. He's very engaging. If you haven't yet, really take some time and go to YouTube and watch Motor Trend Head to Head head number two head and yeah. doesn't matter if it's with jason camisa or with jethro buffington they're both excellent um and all the videos are really really good and and johnny's great he's this incredible red-headed jew with a big beard and they do a great job um but what johnny was saying was there, he made two major points one is that if you are a complete historical nerd about the 1966 lamar race in particular you're going to there's going to be a lot of things that are going to bother you that are going to yes. you're going to nitpick about and you're going to say well that's not accurate and that's not accurate and that would never have happened and why doesn't Carol Shelby have four blonde women on his arm and you know why isn't because uh, I think Shelby was taller or as tall as Ken Miles and oh, it doesn't yeah. work out because it's Matt Damon's not not very tall and yeah. th that sort of thing right um but when you really get down to it and you really just sit back, you watch the movie, one of the things he was saying that's really extraordinary to me, I'm uh, sorry, Matt Damon was saying, I apologize, was that there is no CGI, there are no computer effects in the movie at all. It's yeah. all 
done with stunt cars and stunt people. It's the real thing. When that trailer, when that car comes flipping toward the camera, that's a real car. That's yeah. a big deal in the 21st century. So yeah. um, we'll, we'll talk about this more later and, that, and, and, yeah. and other bits that are going on. But, but the gist of it is that the other thing Johnny said that's really poignant is you have to see this in the theater because the sound of that seven liter V8. Yeah, I absolutely think that, you know, that seven liter sound, cause I've never heard it like in person. Um, but, you know, of course playing racing games and stuff like that, like Gran Turismo tries to get the, the actual sound correct. Um, and I know on the on on the game it sounds absolutely just freaking amazing. So yeah, so seeing it in in a movie theater totally makes sense with it. Right. It just, then it would be like surrounding you, like you're actually part of the race audience, which should be just spectacular, and such a different sound from from what a V12 would make. And if and if you're not sure why, please go look it up because it's pretty incredible. But uh, yeah, it's. It's it's got to make all the difference. I mean, unless we talked about this last week, so I apologize. But unless you have like a home theater system, and if you do, invite me over. But um, oh yeah, that rivals it. Right. Thank you. That rivals the true movie theater. It's just make the time, find a way, and make the time. I I even put it in. So we have this this calendar, right? That for our our family, my wife and kids and I, and I I put a tentative date in the in the calendar, and my wife said. What's it? What's this? Is this for a movie? I said, yeah. Well, I'm coming, right? Like, if sure, if you want to, you know, it's about car racing, right? She's like, yeah, okay, okay. Oh wow! Yeah, she wants a movie about car racing. Yeah, big surprise. But okay, great. Yeah, no problem. Hey, yeah. I'm like, if you want to come, you don't have to. I know Matt yeah. Damon's pretty good looking and all, but you know, that's your call. Um, well, and Christian Bale. A, well, right. Um, who's who's Welsh, but don't hold that against him. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there is, if you haven't yet, there's there's a great little piece, and it's not very long, but it's Jay Leno being Jay Leno, which is the best version of him you can see. Oh, absolutely. And he's got, and he's got Matt Damon, and Matt Damon pulls up in an AC Cobra, and. Jay takes the time at his garage to recreate this iconic road and track magazine cover where it has Carol Shelby in the middle of an AC Cobra, a GT 350 and a GT 40. And so Uh, what Jay does, yes, he has Matt show up in the AC Cobra. He has the GT 350 in the correct color, by the way, the cream white with the, with the blue stripe. Absolutely. And his, his early 2000s uh, Ford GT, I believe it nope, might be. I think I, it was his. Is it the new GT? I thought it was. I thought it was his 2017. It may. It, it, it may be. From that angle, it's a kind of hard to tell because it is. It's. It's almost a bird's eye view. Yeah. But I'm also not an expert on the Ford GT, so I apologize to those of you screaming in your. Well, into your speakers right now. Here, here, here's a thing that <clears throat> makes me laugh 
And, and just kind of a little side note on, on Jay Leno. I, I watched an interview with Jay Leno one time. And, and one, of the, one of the things that's very, very interesting about Jay Leno's collection is he doesn't have any old Ferraris. No, no. He doesn't have he doesn't. a single one. And when asked, he said, well, at the time, I was kind of more into Lamborghinis, which is why he has like a million euros. Um, but by the time I was ever kind of interested in them, he goes, because I don't have anything against them. He goes, but by the time I was interested in them, they were just going for ridiculous amounts of money. Now, mind mm-hmm. you, this is a man whose net worth is $350 million plus. But, <laughs> I mean, I mean he, he could, yeah, he, he could probably get on to bring a trailer and buy everything on there and oh, without sure. breaking a sweat. Um, but I... He also doesn't have an original GT40, which makes me kind of think that he just thinks that, you know, that, that buying cars, because he, he doesn't like to buy overly expensive cars. Because his Muras, when he no, bought he, the Muras, they were dirt cheap. They, right. He, he got lucky. He bought them at the bottom of the market. He lo- bought them because he loved them. He didn't buy them as a, an investment or as a, you know, something to flip or you know like a, like a stock broker would he bought them because he loved them yeah exactly which is really awesome. yeah so anyways um so to getting back to kind of the movie and stuff like that um so it's it's put out by 20th century fox um the the original in in the early films uh, in, in the early part of uh, production which it's been rumored that this is actually this is a script that's been kind of floating around trying to be made for like many years now um yeah <clears throat> matt david alluded to that when he was with jay like yeah. better part of a decade possibly longer yeah um and originally it was supposed to be tom cruise and brad pitt now i respect both of those actors i've seen them do very good work and stuff um tom cruise has kind of clicked into this whole i'm an action hero kind of a thing Mm-hmm. Um, and he's know, a legit car enthusiast, and a very legit car enthusiast. And I think Brad Pitt's a car enthusiast, also not as much as Tom Cruise, but, um, but definitely, you know, I, I think it would have been much more interesting. Um, the problem that I would have had is, and and I think the the advantage that Christian Bale has as Ken Miles is he, he being british himself ish mm. ish ish himself he's able to go into the accent cuz you know can he was a he he was british um uh, ken miles was um and so that allows him to be able to really put in the acting, you know, to really put in the performance into it where I think, and I can't, I can't remember. I think Brad Pitt was supposed to be Ken miles. I believe so. Um, 
Right, which has the obvious problem, which is that when Brad Pitt acts, you're like, oh, that's Brad Brad Pitt doing a really good job at acting. No, I wouldn't say that. I would say, I mean, he's... I would. Even even in Inglorious Bastards, I'm like, oh, good job, Brad Pitt. I think we'll have to disagree on that one. I think I think Inglorious Bastards. Um, now, my favorite movie with Brad Pitt, of course, is Snatch, where he plays the. Uh, the uh, oh yeah, that was that was a great movie, and he was he was he was a star, but he wasn't capital yeah. B Brad, capital P Pitt at the time. Yeah. Anyways, but. But I, I think with, I, I think the fact that you have Matt Damon, um, who is, I, I think a better dramatic actor than either Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt. Oh, and Christian Bale, I mean, obviously is by oh, far the guy's incredible. Actor. But one of the things that was interesting to me is is to hear. Uh, to, to hear Matt Damon explain the the actual script itself, he's like, you know, I'm not a car th- enthusiast, and neither is Christian Bale, and neither is the director. Um, hmm. And and so, not being car enthusiast, he wasn't attracted to it from that angle, and I honestly think that if he had as much of as much of a car nerd as i am um and 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 matt is i think Mm -hmm. if if they had gone into it talking about the nuts and bolts going into you know the actual everything and we'll we'll kind of see this when we get closer to it um, with the, uh, you know, when we, when we actually see the movie and stuff like that. But Matt said the thing that drew him to it was this was basically a buddy movie, a buddy movie, a building movie, putting something together. And he said, when you're, when you're building a movie and you're putting a movie together, he goes, it's the exact same thing. You're trying to be the artist. You're trying to create something. And you have the people who are really doing the purse strings for all of this. You know, the big, you know, the, the, you know, the big corporation stuff, but they have money, you know, without them, you can't do what you want to do. Um, right. So, you know, so obviously they're wanting to know how their money is spent. And so Matt goes, putting a movie together and making a movie is the exact same thing. You have all of us down on this ground level trying to create this thing, trying to put this thing together. And all the people that have the money are going, uh, what are you doing with it? He goes. And so that really accord with me. Plus in the script, this big relationship between Carol Shelby and Ken miles, um, which I think was, I think in real life kind of happened too, but you know, it's, I, I appreciate the fact that I think that they'll be able to kind of um, put this together. Uh, I, I, it kind of, it kind of makes me think of uh, like Apollo 11 
it would have been very easy to go into the nuts and bolts of the of the the rocket and how the rocket was and what was going on and stuff like that. Um, oh, you mean Apollo? You mean Apollo thirteen? Yeah, sorry, Apollo thirteen. Landed on the Apollo moon. Apollo eleven was the, Apollo eleven was the uh, the first step that on was, the moon itself. Apollo thirteen, yeah, yeah. things went to hell. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> so Apollo thirteen. You know that yeah. was, but but they didn't spend a ton of time going no. into the nitty gritty of everything. Um, you know, it, it was about the human struggle of it, and I think. As, as Matt and I have tried to kind of put over these last few weeks, these podcasts and stuff, of the fact that this really, truly was a huge struggle for Ford. They were really kind of putting together something that was everybody thought was impossible. Yeah. yeah and, the, and the movie goes, goes into how how truly impossible the job was. I mean, really, I mean, it, well, here's an example. They didn't succeed the first year or the second year. There you go. There's another good example of how impossible it was. Because yeah, um, they started racing in 64. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, and they had all those, all these defeats that, you know, at Sebring and Daytona and Le Mans and, and they just kept making the car better and better. And they ditched the 289 and they, you know, reworked the arrow and they, you know, this and that and the other thing. Um, so <clears throat> one of the things Matt Damon says that I think is, is really kind of poignant is there's a scene in the movie where Carol Shelby is fighting Ken Biles and like shouting at each other. It's going to get physical. And at one point he says, Carol Shelby picks up a toaster. And you can tell he's thinking about clubbing Ken Miles over the head with this toaster, which back in the sixties meant it was steel. Like it was, it was a big, solid toaster. And yeah. he doesn't. He looks at it. He puts it back down, and he picks up a loaf of Wonder Bread. <laughs> and there's a realization there that there's a level of respect, and there's a level of I really want to convey to you how upset I am but I don't want to injure you or kill you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it said, and the word, the words he used was, this is what a fight is like in real life. This isn't some Hollywood choreographed, you know, I'll swing toward you and make it look like I hit you. And then you'll come back and, you know, club me with something. And, you know, no, this is two guys yelling passionately about hey how they want this project to go because they'll both believe in it so much from different perspectives yeah. they both want to succeed as much as possible and they're butting heads because they're both so passionate yeah he sounds like funny brother well the thing the thing that i that i really appreciate is the the director that they got to get for this is 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 james mangold uh, and I, and i want to put together um what his uh, kind of his filmography and and why I think he has really really done um, well with this. Um, first off, um, a really good movie, uh, Girl Interrupted. If you've never seen mm. it, 
a really good movie. The movie that launched it's supposed to be a vehicle for Winona Ryder and then accidentally launched Angelina Jolie's career. Yeah, there you go. Um, a Walk the Line. Mm-hmm. The Johnny Cash story. Absolutely. Uh, 310 to Yuma, which was good. Oh, one of the best Westerns of the, of the 21st century. Uh, the Wolverine, which we'll forget about. Um, but Logan. It's, 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 yeah, Logan is great. Logan is great. The Wolverine, yeah. <laughs> but he's but yeah, Logan is 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 amazing. And so that that really kind of gives me a good sense of of what he's able to do with story. Um, he's a, he's a storyteller. He's yeah. able to convey through, through visuals, through acting, through scene, through lighting, what the story is supposed to look like, and yeah. and how to convey the pathos and the and the passion and the you know and the struggle right of all this. And uh, the other the other overriding thing that I'm getting from the the general reviews that are coming in trickling in is it's it would have been really easy, too easy, almost lazy writing. To make Henry Ford the second, Hank the Deuce, uh, to make him the hero and to make Enzo Ferrari the villain, and he doesn't. Yeah. Both are more nuanced than that. They both have, you know, they're both are clearly passionate about this. They're both striving for victory, doing everything they can to make this happen. And so that's not that's not what it is. You have other guys who are more pure and heroic. You have other guys who are slightly more villainous, and 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 that's that's great because it's that it's it prevents that I don't want to say jingoistic, but that's kind of where I'm going with this. But that too easy black and white us versus them, you know, black hat versus white hat, you know, cowboy western thing. Yeah, because that's not what real life is like. Yeah, well, so, and and, it, and now, yeah, it it'll be released on on you know. Uh, the, the the actual theatrical release is November fifteenth, uh, which for us is uh, a week from tomorrow, actually. Um, yeah. But um, it's already been uh, it, it was released. All, uh, it had its world premiere at the Telluride Film Festival back in August, and that's where we're getting a lot of these kind of uh, reviews from and stuff like that because the. Um, the 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 hold off on on reviewing uh has been lifted for non-spoiler reviews um and so so far you have um on uh rotten tomatoes it has a 90 percent uh so a 7.27 out of 10 um a a fresh count of 61 a rotten count of seven so that's really good. Um, also on Metacritic, uh, Metacritic has it at a 73 out of 100 right now. Uh, but that's only based on 15 critics. So I, I like, a, I like a, a healthy survey, and I think 68 is much better than 15. Mm-hmm. Think. Right. The, the other thing to keep in mind too is that it's it's really hard to make anyone uh, 
give like a 10 out of 10, right? You're not going to get an A-plus review for pretty much any movie ever, frankly. Um, and so, although 73%, you know, oh, that's just a regular C, you know, bordering on a C-, minus, you can't look at it that way. Because basically, a 90% might as well be an A-plus. Yeah. Then you got to work backward from there. So now you're looking at, oh, so maybe this is more like like a B, B-plus level movie, potentially. I'm not going to hold anyone to the math, but but at least have some have some leeway that way, right? Because I mean, if people talk about, uh, give me a second, Rosebud, um, the sled, Citizen as being like, thank you, as being like the most perfect film ever, and and it was panned. It was just raked over the coals when it came out. Oh yeah. So so don't. Well, see also if you're remember. Well, also remember, I mean, movies like The Princess Bride was a box mm-hmm. office bust. Yeah, yeah. You know what else was a box office bust, amazingly enough, was um, Ace Ventura Pet Detective. And that movie was one of the best-selling comedies of all time. Yep, the first one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, my wife still hates that movie, but that's just kind of her comedy. Yeah. That's right. Um, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan either. Uh, Clerks did really well um, on video and and made almost nothing in the theaters. Oh yeah, and launched launched Kevin Smith's career. It did, absolutely. Um, now, it, interestingly enough, so if this is, you know, going international, and I've, I've looked at our analytics, and weirdly enough, our 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 second largest audience outside of the United States is Brazil. So, hello Brazil. Okay. However, yeah. it is welcome. Uh, Happy to have But yeah, uh, but as in, in some markets, um, it is marketed as uh, Le Mans sixty six, um, which is interesting because uh, one person said that the movie really shouldn't be called. Uh, I think this was John Campia. Yeah, I think this is John Campia that it shouldn't be called. Ford versus Ferrari, it should be Ken and Carol against Ford. Because <laughs> that's kind of what it's about and stuff like that. Really? But, yeah. That's an interesting take on it. Okay, so maybe that's sort of an sort of an insight into uh into what you can expect in the story. Well, I mean, and and that's because and I I kind of got that sense that they were gonna go that direction. Um, because I watched the trailer and when I didn't see a, a really prominent figure as Enzo Ferrari, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I was like, oh, they're going to go the whole us versus the corporation, you know, you know, you know, the man's trying to keep me down kind of a thing. Um, mm. Okay. So, but uh, but I, and, and I, but I think it still works because I mean it really, really was true. I mean, you know, Henry Ford the second was was not ecstatic, um, you know, because the first two years that they tried to put this in development, and everything like this, and it was a huge, major, major money suck with no real wins per se or or you know the right. cars were yeah cars were blowing up and 
just you know not not working and they were losing races and stuff so um so but yeah i think uh go ahead no, no, I was just going to say that, like, that, that's it make, makes a lot of sense from that perspective, right? Because you've got Henry Ford II, who's who's very, very motivated, but he's also got accountants, you know, working against him, and he's got a race team that keeps losing. And even in '66, they didn't win many races outside of Le Mans. Now, granted, Le Mans is the big marquee race, and there's nothing you can take away from that. But in '66, I'm fairly certain they lost Sebring and Daytona. Uh no, no that was sixty five. Because okay. in sixty six, well, well, because in sixty six, Ken Miles won Daytona, and Ken Miles won Sebring. And if Henry Ford II hadn't have wanted that, you know the the whole poster, th- you know the whole hey let's let's look at this thing, hit the photo op of the finishing of oh, one yeah. two three right together, Ken Miles would have been the first person. To have won all three. Good point. Good point. But but uh, yeah, he did he did quite well. But but basically in in sixty four and sixty five they won very little, if anything at all. Yeah, that's a travesty. A really painful two years. Yeah. Because so. I mean, you know, you're basically taking God. That seven later came out of a pickup truck. I want to no. say. Out of the um, dad comment, it was uh, it was something really unconventional. A full size car, and I'm trying to remember exactly okay. what it was. Okay. Oh, Galaxy, probably. Galaxy, I think. Yeah, I think you keep Pretty talking. Sure. I'm, I'll look. Yeah, I think but, it was the Galaxy. I'm not positive. I do know that the Galaxy eventually there was a version turned into a drag car, which was the most unconventional conversion of this of the mid to late 60s but um yeah i think it was called the galaxy 500 at some point although that may have been like the base five liter engine which is staggering today yeah you consider that like was the horsepower okay which makes a lot more sense um you know especially you consider it's what four 427 cubic inches and the the goal back then was one horsepower per cubic inch which when you look at it is laughable but um, it wasn't even SAE net horsepower that was just gross horsepower but that's okay uh, you find anything yet Zach? Uh, yeah I keep talking just ever so okay. quickly okay yeah, um, or galaxy sorry yep okay yeah that's right so it was you know it was a, it was in the ford galaxy it was a low revving wide torque band engine to just kind of you know run into a you'd run it through a two or three speed automatic and just sort of cruise around like you do and you know you bring the family with you on that side that sunday drive that was so sort of stereotypical in the in the early to mid 60s and all of a sudden you find out that the engine modified to who knows what degree is also winning Le Mans in this race car that's where the roof is 40 inches off the ground so it's it's essentially it's sort of almost like a four-wheeled toboggan in a certain way you know in terms of your relationship to what the car is doing, 
and your height off the ground. It's kind of crazy. Um, I think. Uh, go ahead, Zach. Yeah, I just I'm I'm really I'm I'm very enthusiastic to watch this movie. I think that it's going to be really really good as far as um you know as far as its depiction of the racing i've heard is very realistic that they did a very good job um probably not to the level of you know the 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 great you know the great racing movie le mans i mean that's just an amazing racing movie and really kind of catches the 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 whole aspect of racing and stuff um but I'm really, I'm really interested and excited to see how this plays out, um, and and how yeah, well sure. they do with all of this. And so, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll bring it to you in a video review. Um, talking, yeah, I know, whatever. Um, but yeah, but us talking about the movie and what we thought about it and kind of because uh, you're going to see a lot of reviews from people who are movie people. And they're going to talk about, you know, the script and and how everything was and stuff like that. And I think getting it from a car guy's perspective, um, you know, even two car guys as lame as us. Um, I think would be kind of interesting. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I, I think so. I think uh, I think that's a podcast, and uh, we will yeah. see you guys next week. Absolutely, from Vroom. All right. Good night.